Hello and welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host for this week, Ryan Murphy, and I'm here with my guest for this week, Eric Harzer. Hi, Eric. Hello. Hi. So today we're going to be talking about minute number 68. Uh, that is one minute and or one hour and seven minutes to one hour, seven minutes, 59 seconds. Uh, as we start our minute, we are in the kitchen with Benoit Blanc, who... Uh, <laughs> sees that a knife is missing from a very handily like this is a knife stand where you can tell when a knife is missing uh mm-hmm. you know uh thing and he says and then sees andy running uh sprinting yeah, yeah. just running across so i guess just before we get into uh the general uh breakdown here what are your thoughts on this minute uh, this is such a well-constructed minute. I'm, I, it's going to get very boring hearing me say the same thing <laughs> for almost every minute. But just the the Andy trying to explain what's happening, uh, the initial confusion of why he's calling Andy Helen, yeah. uh, the like gun that comes out and the shot firing, the glass. Oh, it's just so, so well done. Helen! <laughs> Listen, did you take Duke's gun? Why would I take Duke's gun? And why are the lights Duke is out? Duke dead. What? Yeah, absolutely. And that was something that, you know, I think when I saw this in the theater, I didn't pick up at, you know, he pretty clearly refers to her as Helen. Uh, yeah. And at that point, yeah. you know, it's kind of like at this point in the movie, we do not know why that's happening. Um, so it's a really good layering of, he says it, but it's just throw away quite enough that like, you can kind of lose it amongst everything else happening. And then there's immediately something huge that happens that takes your mind off it again, which he's going to do the reveal after that. But like, it's just, thrown off and then you can kind of miss it. It, it it's really well played yeah so i mean they so the thing that does draw your attention uh after blanc asks her you know uh do you have you seen duke's gun uh mm-hmm. we see duke's gun and it <laughs> yeah it is being held in a black leather glove um mm-hmm. to sort of conceal the identity of whoever is holding that gun i don't understand please trust me it's all in plain sight. We only need one last piece of information, and only you can. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess you know, uh, in terms of as we as we've mentioned, uh, some of the. Uh, filmmaking stuff that is uh i mean the filmmaking is is wonderful the tropes that uh get brought back and forth um this is another one where we've got a weapon and we you know i don't know where the person who is going to shoot uh andy in the scene got a leather glove put on or Mm -hmm. why i mean i guess fingerprints but uh yeah it I don't know i guess what what are your thoughts on how that is framed uh in terms of you first see them together we're seeing them from the perspective of whoever this is with the gun 
and mm-hmm. immediately Andy kind of moves behind Blanc. Uh, and there's a moment where, you know, she's moved behind Blanc and then the figure cocks the gun. Right. So, Right. Yeah, and I, you know, after the shot happens, it's uh, she has moved back out of line. But there was a second where I was like, "Is he going to shoot? Is whoever that is going to shoot Benoit Blanc?" But obviously, uh-huh. you know, there's going to be another one of these, so that, that shouldn't happen. Also, please don't shoot Benoit Blanc. So it's a very like you think that he's after the the investigator, the person who's like most likely to figure out what's going on here. And then when he shoots Andy instead, it's such a great like fake out that that's instantly delivered upon. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that the I mean, they show the glass cracking, the uh, the falling. I guess. Do you have anything you'd like to say about that? Yeah, I mean, just I, I think anytime glass cracks <laughs> on film, and I'm I'm sure I'm kind of certain that there's some CGI being used for the for the glass cracking, just because it's so perfectly yeah. like uh, framed and the glass cracks in such a cool way. Uh, but uh, anytime you do anything with glass on 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 film, it works incredibly mm-hmm. well for me. Uh, I always think about, and I grew up watching this movie, so I love it in uh, Jurassic Park, the second one, The Lost yeah. World, uh, when a character falls and is suspended by glass and it just starts cracking and like spidering across the, the glass. It's, it's, it's such a great yeah. visual. It, I love it's it. a really effective way to like, you know, in that case, build tension, in this case, kind of highlight tension and just like you've just mm-hmm. seen, you know, this figure who you thought was going to shoot Blanc, he has shot Andy instead, or, you know, we don't know who this is. Helen. Yeah. So, <laughs> whoever yeah, Helen is. Whoever yeah. Helen is. Uh, Helen has just been shot. So it, it's, it really punctuates yeah. that. And the way the, uh, the gun falls and thuds on the ground, uh, having been immediately dropped mm-hmm. as soon as uh, it was fired, I think also really lends to this scene sort of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm missing the very basic film terminology, but like the perspective switch from focusing on Blanc and uh, Helen talking to the gunman, like holding the gun, is such a great uh, is it split diopter yeah. maybe? Uh, yeah, that that shot is just so good. Whenever that happens, the movie I'm going to believe that that is the right term because I do not know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I guess what are your thoughts on uh, I guess just the the environment of this scene, how everything is coming together, uh, sound and and everything like that. I mean it's it, it, it's a good it's a good uh, place for this because he is behind glass uh, as mm-hmm. he's doing this, and they are kind of out in the open uh, on, on the bottom of the staircase. And I can't remember exactly where she falls, but it's a really good just everyone converges on that point immediately after. So it's a really good just setting for someone like that to go down. You mentioned the glass. Uh, One thing that I I do notice about this. So we see Blanc call her Helen um, and we're not sure why. And Mm -hmm. he asked her a few questions. And then we go back to uh, the shooter's perspective and it's just very handy that like we, the audience cannot continue to hear that conversation because 
Right, right. It cuts yeah. away from the conversation, yeah. Because that would give the right, giveaway right. the game so, to you. Yeah. yeah, just the way that's managed and, you know, using that to uh, sort of delineate that and keep the audience from knowing too much too early. Uh, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's also a well well done perspective shift because you're then shifting to the killer preying on them, which is a very convenient like way to get us away from them like blatantly telling yeah. us what's happening. Uh, and one thing, uh, you know, that just in, in watching this uh, one minute, uh, I guess just the music, what are your thoughts on, on how that's playing into this? Oh, there's like such a good clank sound as soon as the gun is shown. And like when Helen and Blanc are talking throughout the rest of this minute, there's this great eerie, like something bad is going to happen kind of music and so the music is done by nathan johnson ryan johnson's cousin who i believe has worked on all of his movies except for the last jedi so uh it, it's just a really well really eerie yeah kind of and the, you know uh <laughs> just that clank uh it, it, it is like it yeah. very well punctuates like okay we we're now seeing this gun here's this big reveal it does <laughs> listening to it in isolation it does kind of sound like Prison cell door closing. <laughs> MP3. <laughs> it, it's very yeah, much like yeah. it's not uh, diegetic. We're not hearing, you know, what's going on, but it is just like I don't know. It it is a very well. I mean, we're gonna say this for pretty much every episode, but we're also doing a podcast where we mm-hmm. talk about this movie one minute at a time. So I think we could safely say, right. uh, you know. We're, we're both invested in this being a good movie <laughs> and done really well. Absolutely. I'm, I, I'm always so mystified because soundtracks are so it, it, like inherently perfect for filmmaking. But then when you like strip out the fact that there's like non-diegetic music happening, it can kind of like be odd to think about that. There, there's this music punctuating or like drawing your attention to certain things in movies. But there is there is just a thrill that I get when you hear that kind of strike as the gun appears that like it, it's just perfect. Like moments like that are what movies are constructed for. And yeah, and anytime music is used so well in a movie, it's, it just the it just subtlety of it is what's really striking to me because you could have mm-hmm. I mean, in in another movie, you could have, you know, just a very, uh, you know, on the nose needle drop uh I don't know. I'm thinking about the, uh, the first Suicide Squad movie, uh, which just had a lot of like, <laughs> which yeah, is wall to wall needle drops. It, it's oops right. wall needle drops. Uh, where, the movie. As here, you know, you really don't. Uh, I mean, there is, you know, the thing that comes up at the end credits, which I mean, you had to go with uh, that song there. But yeah, the the way everything mm-hmm. in this scene is working together to create this atmosphere of sort of tension and almost dread um, and confusion mm-hmm. at what we've just seen because Andy has been shot. Well, it's, I think it's a very interesting, like it's definitely Ryan Johnson playing with how much the audience knows because there's stuff that these two characters who are talking know and they're telling each other that we as the audience don't, but we're privileged on information that they don't know because there is someone with a gun right behind them who is threatening to shoot at least one of them, maybe both of them. So it's such a great play with perspective and with 
like I guess dramatic irony of these characters not knowing their doom is about to befall at least one of them. Uh, and so I think Ryan Johnson employs a lot of those kinds of narrative tricks in this movie. Some people might find that a bit annoying, but like if you've ever seen tons of these murder mystery stories, yeah, I think it's just a great way to, I don't know, subvert so, that a little bit. Uh, I guess, is there anything more we want to say about uh, minute number uh, 68 here? Just, just uh, again, a really well-constructed minute that is feeding you more and more information. Uh, this one has a pretty big twist that you might miss. But uh, yeah, once you've seen the movie, it's a nice little, oh yeah, they, they, they <laughs> yeah. are working on this. So uh, today we, we've got a question, uh, a sort of daily question here, uh, which is, I guess, you know, without uh, getting into spoilers for this or, or the, I guess the first Knives Out, I'm sort of presuming that uh, our mm -hmm. listeners have seen both, but uh, without giving too much away, what are your thoughts on the uh, already announced Knives Out 3 or whatever it's going to be called? Um, I, I'm very interested to see what Ryan does with it, just in in a way because I, I always mm -hmm. format these things as trilogies, as like they're going to make three and then they're going to go away. But from every indication, it seems like they just want to keep making more of these. Um, I'm interested mainly because I, I think I prefer Knives Out to Glass Onion. Uh, and I'm interested to see how he creates a new situation for Benoit Blanc to get into. I would like it to be not as leaning on yeah. the like internet uh, personalities, social media kind of uh, people and... I, I think that like he used a lot of that stuff for the best in this movie, but I kind of want to get to a bit more normal people uh, and Benoit Blanc uh, operating yep. in a more normal people world. Uh, so for the next movie, I, I'm not entirely sure because I think you can put him into almost any situation and he'd play in that murder mystery way. I think back in the Knives Out uh, podcasts, I was saying that there should be some, yeah. some kind of like trial or like uh, Benoit Blanc is like accused of some murder and he has to like get himself out of it somehow. But that's yeah, just yeah. a, no, a random I, I think, idea. I had. Know, whatever it does wind up being. I mean, I would not have having, you know, at the end of Knives Out, I would not have predicted, oh, the next one, clearly it's going to be on this uh, Greek island with, <laughs> you know, this this giant mansion. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, wherever they uh, want to stick this character, I am, I am in for that. I guess uh, you know, just sort of looking at um, what we've got. I, I guess, what are your thoughts on uh, what you mentioned? That you know, both Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig seem to be on board for just continuing to make these. Yes. Maybe maybe by like the yeah. fifth or sixth one, I'll be a, a bit bored of them. But like, I kind of can't imagine, especially with those two guys making them, that they would run out of ideas or keep making them when they've clearly run out of them. So like, as long as they're willing to do it and the quality hasn't really dropped off, yeah, I'm yeah, totally and I do trust for it. Uh, you know, I as you as you mentioned, I, I trust both of them to know like, okay, enough is enough. Um, but. Right now, these are just really fun. So. <laughs> yeah. But also, also, here's the thing. They could come back 
20 years. They yeah. could stop making them in like 2030 or something, but then come back in like 20 years and do like yeah. 80 year old Daniel Craig solving mysteries as like super like Columbo was very, very old right. when his last mysteries were, were, were going out. And I, I haven't seen those episodes, so I can't tell you what it's like, but I'm certain that you just add more and more uh weirdness as you get that old and it's it's probably a lot yeah. of fun to watch that that Absolutely. version of him and actually about. one thing so, i did want to get yeah. to um so knives out is kind of uh, we know vaguely like when and where it takes place glass onion is explicitly mm-hmm. a covid movie i guess what are your thoughts on uh right know, right making that decision and uh you know it's different uh, television shows, movies have handled it in different ways. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how they did that mm-hmm. in Glass Onion? Some some of that stuff kind of bugged me when I first saw it, uh, just because I was so close to it at the time. But like as I get further away from that, and as I get further away from like the 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 cast of this movie, where it's it's all of these like very modern day types that you would find online. I'm absolutely thrilled that a movie could do something like that because I think the more specific or the more like of its time it can be, the better it will eventually be. Cause you can then say this was the, the early 2020s or like late 2010s murder mystery for that time. Cause a lot of those older mysteries are so kind of like, you, you don't really go on. Right. Train. Yeah. Uh, tours or train rides all that often nowadays so that very clearly is from that time it uses types that were found in that time so like i think doing that for modern day is kind of genius and you just won't see that in 30 years from now you won't see that you couldn't see it 30 years yeah no i I definitely also agree with you know poster to when uh you know uh the early days of the pandemic uh yeah i there there was a part where i guess there's a part of me that was uh a little annoyed when the movie starts bringing all that in because it's just like i think at that point i things had been made that referenced uh the pandemic and it was just kind of like okay we're doing this again but yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's a really interesting point that it does yeah uh sort of do for this movie, what, you know, as you mentioned, Murder on the Orient Express does for the fact that we don't really have a lot of like luxury train travel uh, <laughs> going on in the country anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is anything else you want to uh, mention uh, for minute number uh, 68? No, I think I think it's a good minute and I'm oh. glad we, uh, All right. uh, anything we got you'd to like say to what we did about it. Sure. Uh, if you're not already sick of me saying it for a second time, then here's a third time for you. You can find me on Twitter at T-Z-A-R-R-E-V-A-N. Uh, follow me on that website that still exists. As of, All right. And uh, you can follow Glass today. Onion Minute on Twitter at Glass Onion Minute. Uh, all one word. Again, while Twitter exists. Uh, <laughs> and thank you very much for listening. Uh, please take a moment to rate and review us um, on whatever platform you've found us on. Uh, thank you. Yes, exactly. Uh, Five thank stars, you so please. much for joining me again today, Eric. Um, and we, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank with, you for having uh, me, Ryan. Glass Onion Minute.